Welcome to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Ultras. I'm your host, Joe McGarry. Today's guest is the Executive Director for the Alzheimer's Association. LJ has been in the nonprofit volunteer health sector for over 10 years with experience in program execution, advocacy, leadership, board management, and development. He's passionate about nonprofit work, putting service above self, and making a positive, lasting difference in the lives he has the ability to touch and influence. Outside of work, LJ serves as a Rotarian with the Kahala Sunrise Rotary Club and as a committee member for the Young Professionals Exec Connect program with the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii. LJ, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm good. Yourself? I'm really good. Um, Alzheimer's is, it seems that we are either more connected with people who have Alzheimer's right now, know somebody who has Alzheimer's. Is, it, it, is there more Alzheimer's or are we just much more aware of what happens as we age? Oh, well, well, th- two things, you know, people are living longer <clears throat> and age is the greatest risk factor for Alzheimer's disease as it is for any other chronic disease, cancer, heart disease, diabetes. And um, also now folks are more aware of the disease and signs and symptoms to look out for. So they've been um, proactively advocating for diagnosing earlier through their visits at doctor's offices and so forth. And in addition, you know, clinicians, doctors, nurses, they've been more uh, familiar and aware uh, about this disease and able to diagnose it more accurately than they were before. Does that mean that we're catching the disease much earlier now in people? And if that's the case, how early can it start? We tend to think of it as being kind of an old, an aging person's disease, right? I shouldn't say old. Correct. Uh, however, you know, most folks who do tend to visit a doctor would visit a doctor when they are at perhaps the middle or later stages where the signs of the disease is more um, apparent. Um, However, symptoms or even some of the changes that happen in the brain happen 25 to 30 years even before symptoms occur. So uh, one key uh, message that we we like to promote uh, on this podcast and in any of our messaging to the community is seeking an early diagnosis um, if you have any inclination of cognitive impairment or any memory issues. I think for a lot of us, as we get slightly older, you know, you do forget occasionally a name of something or, you know, you'll always see someone grasping for, oh, what was that? What is that? Is that evidence enough that we should all be going and getting checked out for early Alzheimer's? Or are there more specific changes that you would advise people to go and have checked? So one one example I can share is um, we tend to misplace our car keys right? Many times or, or forgetting a name. Um, but we can then trace back where we may have placed our car keys. We can backtrack and say, oh, I was right there in the kitchen. And even that, 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 um, investigative, I guess, I guess approach, Mm -hmm. uh, for a person with Alzheimer's or another dementia, they cannot backtrack, um, like we would if we, if we did not have that, the disease. So if you forget a name, but it comes to you and you forget your keys, but at least you know you were in the kitchen last, you're probably okay. You're probably okay. Yes. (laughs) That's reassuring. For a lot of people listening, I'm sure they're breathing a sigh of relief. But I mean, seriously, there are many ways now that people can 
be diagnosed. And then once, is earlier better in terms of, I mean, are there treatments? So there is a current treatment that has been approved by the FDA um, that is an infusion which targets um, what we call amyloid or plaques in the brain, and it does this successfully. However, this is only effective when done or taken um, at an early stage of the disease, which is why early diagnosis is, is so important because the drug or this infusion therapy does not improve. It only delays the onset or it modifies the disease progression. It's quite sobering, isn't it, to think mm -hmm. that, you know, so many people approach getting older with this as part of their aging process. Tell us a bit, LJ, about what you do at the Alzheimer's Association and how people can benefit from you being in the community and, and use you. Sure. So we have, you know, a number of programs and services that we offer. Uh, one, one key pillar is, of course, raising concern and awareness. So ensuring that those who have any memory issues or any inclination of cognitive um, decline call us or seek a uh, doctor's opinion. Um, we offer support groups. So support groups are offered statewide. Um, currently, we're offering these virtually or telephonically. And um, these support groups provide caregivers or those who are living with the disease in the early stages um, the opportunity to meet others um, like, like them and share their challenges and their successes as caregivers or a person living with the disease. We offer families care consultations. So we actually meet with people um, currently virtually over Zoom, um, go over some of the challenges that they're having and put together a care plan um, that include legal and financial planning because as a person progresses with this disease, there are, of course, many costs that are going to be involved in the care and future care uh, for that person li living with Alzheimer's, including some legal challenges that may happen when that person no longer is able to, um, you know, make decisions for themselves. We also offer caregiver training and education that also, you know, kind of fall into community programming um, where anyone and anyone interested in Alzheimer's can, can attend our, our virtual programs that we currently um, offer statewide. So we have staff and volunteers on all counties uh, in the state of Hawaii, including um, an arm into Guam and the, uh, the U.S. territories. That, I think, the training and showing people, caregivers, even if it's just family members, how to deal with someone who has Alzheimer's is critically important, I think, to the success of caring, not just for the family who are involved, but the person, right? Because so many people with Alzheimer's they're it, they're misunderstood for want of a better word. You know, they people try and I mean, I know many people know that my background is in nursing and I'm an RN, but I I remember so clearly um people arguing with people with Alzheimer's. You know, Alzheimer's patient would say, Oh, it's Christmas tomorrow, I'm really excited or something. And instead of them saying, Is it? You know, well, that's lovely, I'm glad you're excited, they'll get into it is not Christmas. That's ridiculous. You know, people you need to be really taught how the brain is functioning mm -hmm. so you can care for these people with compassion. Do you see a lot of that in the training that people just really don't have any idea of how to deal with someone whose mind is, is starting to wander? Yes. So, you know, there's behavior changes that happen um, in addition to the other memory issues that this disease um, does to a person living with Alzheimer's or any other form of dementia. 
And so it's really, you know, taking a step back and, and teaching or coaching caregivers or other family members to um, understand the change in reality for the person that is impacted, uh, impacted by this disease because they've lost um, parts of memory or parts of their, their decision-making or behavioral, um, um, you know, components of, of their brain because of the det- deterioration that this disease does on, on our brain. It, it can be a very distressing disease for many, many families because they're watching people they love literally slip away in front of them. Do you have success stories of caring for Alzheimer's patients where, you know, they can be slipping away, but they can be happily slipping mm-hmm. away? Yes. Um, so, you know, the disease kills the person twice. And families have a very hard time knowing when exactly they should say goodbye, right? Because you lose them cognitively. Mm-hmm. They're no longer there. And then you lose them physically, you know, in a few months or a few years. Um, one, one special story I have to share is, um, of Kalani Pea. He's a Grammy recording artist, um, from Maui, um, or I believe he's originally from Hilo, but he, um, connects with his grandmother through music. And when he sings or if there is music playing, his grandmother, um, can relate to him. That's their way of communication because she is at the later stages of the disease. Um, so although she may not smile, for the whole day when she hears music or hears his voice, um, she smiles and remembers him. So there's something special about music um, and memories that, you know, keeps that, that person or, or that, that communication intact. And I think one of the things, too, that's very difficult for people is an associated memory for many people, maybe music. Food is also a hugely associated memory for people. So family gatherings and the smell of food. We all know how mm-hmm. a smell of, you know, roast turkey or pumpkin pie will immediately transport us to Thanksgiving, even if it's, you know, in the middle of April. But as someone with Alzheimer's deteriorates, one of the first things to go is their ability to swallow and to eat properly. And I know that can be very challenging for families, not understanding that it's okay not to keep trying to give people a lot of food. Is that an area where it takes a lot of teaching to get families to understand it's all right not to just keep giving lots of food? Yes, and, and you know, really encouraging families to seek a, um, advice from doctors because there may be need, there may needs to be a change in how, um, you know, food is delivered, whether it's pureed or liquid form, um, because as the disease progresses, as you'd mentioned, you know, folks tend to forget to chew their food um, or their body no longer is able to swallow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very difficult, challenging disease. And I'm sure so many people are glad that your association is here because uh, many families are facing it for the first time when it happens to them. We were talking earlier, LJ, about one of your goals is to have people be aware that reaching out early for help is something that's really important. What would a person do listening to this broadcast? Perhaps they have someone at home who is looking like they're getting a little more forgetful, or perhaps they're even considering, well, I didn't actually remember where I was when I lost my keys. What are first steps, very first steps? Well, first step, you know, we always encourage folks to visit a doctor. 
um, but they could always give us a call at our um, our Hawaii chapter office, which um, currently we're all working remotely. But our phone number 24-7 is 800-272-3900. We have dementia experts on call um, that can, you know, um, provide some assessment and then recommendations on what are some of those next steps, whether it's participating in a support group, um, a care consultation that we offer or or one of our caregiver education or training programs. And, um, you know, I, I as I mentioned earlier, that better treatments are becoming available. And so if folks are more um, proactive in, in visiting their doctor and sharing their cognitive issues or concerns that they have, then an di- early diagnosis can really save many years um, in the event. You know, Alzheimer's is something that they may have to look forward to in the future. And obviously in the world that you're in of nonprofits and the volunteer health sector, you know, everyone's been hit terribly hard by COVID, but volunteer organizations, people who rely on other people coming in have been particularly badly hit. Um, If there are people listening who would like to be of some help and some assistance, what kind of volunteer opportunities do you have? So currently we're looking for volunteers who would be open to um, helping us with program delivery. So these are community educators or support group facilitators, and we provide all the training. Um, and, um, you know, we know that we can't um, combat this disease alone. So we need volunteers that can help us reach more than what we could in terms of, especially rural communities or resource poor communities that do not have Zoom capabilities or even access to the internet. So we're always looking for community educators and support group facilitators that can do volunteer work, whether it's in person, safely, mm-hmm. depending on county guidelines, um, on or over the phone or by, or by Zoom. What have been some of the big challenges that COVID has brought to your particular organization? Well, we've definitely seen a decrease in, in some funding um, and also the ability not to gather in person, right? Uh, many caregivers, and being that we are in Hawaii, you know, we, we love to gather and, and share hugs and high fives and shakas and, you know, exchange um, or offer lays. And, and that's have- so important to people with Alzheimer's particularly, isn't it? Just that human contact. It, it is. And, you know, we have to, you know... Um, applaud the, the many care homes across the state that have become creative in the way that they are able to allow families to visit, whether it's, you know, um, six feet apart on a, on a lawn or, um, you know, with a plexiglass separating the family and the person um, in a care home. It's just quite a scary world, isn't it, when you think about it for someone with Alzheimer's and the kind of new guidelines that we have it must seem to some of them sometimes so confusing and so terrifying. And I think that's what makes the disease such a difficult one for families who are trying to manage at home. We're very glad you're there doing the great work that you do. Thank you so much. Uh, You gave us your phone number earlier. Um, Does the Alzheimer's Association have a website in Hawaii? Yes. um, Our website address is alz.org slash Hawaii. And... It's not, you're not a small group, are you? The, you're the world's largest non-profit profit funder for Alzheimer's and dementia research. 
Correct. So we are the world's largest nonprofit funder, um, only third to the U.S. and the Chinese government. So thus far, we've invested, or we currently have $300 million invested in research across the world. That's fantastic. It's a, it's, it's an, a very interesting field to be involved in. I hope that you all have more happy days than you do sad days, because one of the things, too, about people with Alzheimer's that people living with it will know is that there are many joyful times. I mean, there can come a, a great deal of, of humor and laughter and love out of somebody really getting ready to you know, head towards end of life if you just understand what's happening to them. Yes, yes, I, I agree. And kindness. Yes, absolutely. Through all the frustration that comes along with it. Well, it's been lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining us today, LJ. If you want to know more about the Alzheimer's Association, if you feel that there's somebody in your family or your network who may um, be at risk or who would certainly benefit from some early diagnosis, then please go ahead and contact them. And of course, all the details about the Alzheimer's Association and the work they do will be attached to this podcast. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, presented by Altris. I'm Joe McGarry. Join us next time for more stories of Hawaii's business.